Welcome to Joy Fueled in Jesus Led. I'm your host, Tony Daniels, sharing real life stories and practical tools that not only let you know you're not alone, but also help you become the emotional, spiritual ninja warrior you were created to be. When someone shares that they're struggling emotionally or spiritually, do you jump right in and start giving advice? Or maybe you have a verse for them or a story from the Bible. What if there were a way to respond that was much more effective, powerful, and safe? A way that lets the person tell you what they need so you don't even have to guess. A relational revolution is sweeping through God's people globally. As the training champion for Luke 10, my key question has been how do we help facilitate church in ways that grow healthy attachments to God and each other? In this episode, I recap content from the last few weeks and jump into the second S of effective facilitating, being safe for each other. Hope you enjoy. So Tony here, and today I want to talk to you about the second S and the four S's. We have been in a series right now talking about what it is like, what are the characteristics of facilitating a relational revolution? How do we facilitate in ways that are deeply relational with each other and that actually induce the presence of God from the the community or the ecosystem of grace, as Kent Smith would call it. But this community, this gifted community designed in the image of God, each one unique. And how do we facilitate in a way that that actually draws that out so that the, the whole multifaceted wisdom of God can be experienced in your community? So that's the just putting it in the in the big picture of what we are talking about. Um, two shifts I shared several weeks ago in the podcast that um, have brought me to where I am today. One of them is the goal that I have when I'm with others. You know, when I was really young, it used to be to teach others, to evangelize them, right, to share the gospel with them, to do something to them, basically. Um, and over my life, I've learned that somehow that that really uh, it doesn't feel very good one for people who are on the receiving end of that <laughs> and two it really does little to induce the presence of god um, out of people and actually draw them into his presence um and you know my husband the other day said instead of putting things into someone what would it look like if we knew how to draw out the image of god that's within them and I think that said it so beautifully, that that shift that I had. So instead of thinking every time I see someone, I need to put God into them. I need to somehow share God with them verbally in a way that puts God in them. Now I approach it with, wow, I wonder where God's at work in this person already. I wonder where God's image is showing up in this person who might not even know him yet or who might have known them their whole life. But where is the image of God in this person? And I wonder if I can find it, if I can see it, if I can name it, if I can encourage it out of them. And that feels a lot more playful. It feels a lot more like hide and seek to some degree. And honestly, when you're in the presence of someone who approaches you that way, you feel seen, you feel honored, you feel precious. 
you feel holy because that is the way they're approaching you. Like, wow, if you are the image of God. And if I just get to know you more, I get to know some of God. I get to know a, a facet of God that maybe I haven't seen before. So that's the the main, one of the main ways that my whole goal shifted when I'm with people. So instead of doing something to them that makes me look good, like teaching them really well, or even training them really well, or being the best, now I have the goal of loving them, just loving them. And, and loving is the word that we typically use to define everything that I've just described, this seeing, this being with them, the seducing them out. Um, so the other thing that's very, very closely tied that I shared a few weeks back of one of the shifts is the just the way I see people now in general. Um, I don't see them as it's. Um, I see them as a universe inside their self of, of God's image, and um, I want to get to know that image of God in them and how it uniquely shows up through who they are. So the, the way I see people shifted and then the goal that I have when I'm with them shifted profoundly. So those were two kind of paradigm shifts that happened that then led the way to see facilitating in the way that I, I kind of group all of the characteristics of facilitating well into these four S's that we're talking about at this point. So last podcast, we talked about seeing the other and how that when we're quieted inside ourselves and, and when my brain isn't constantly thinking about um, you know, what if they don't like me? What if they reject me? What if I'm saying the wrong thing? Oh, goodness, I don't know how to handle this right now. They're sharing something really big. So if that's the internal dialogue going on in my head, then in all honesty, I really can't see the person in front of me at all because all I'm seeing or hearing in my mind is my emotion, my anxiety, my feelings, my thoughts. So in order to really see someone else, we need to be able to quiet that emotional energy inside ourselves. And that's easier for some, harder for others to do. But it's a skill that we work on in Luke 10 and a skill that I work on with every facilitator that I train. Um, I, I look at, can they quiet themselves? When they show up, do they have a nervous energy about them? Or can you tell that they are so secure in who they are that they're fully present with the other person, able to see the other. So um, it, it really does involve being able to um, quiet yourself so that you can see them attune. That's another word that we were using for that, attuning with the other person, matching their energy, delighting in that person. And that when you have been seen, you feel uh, loved, cared for, valuable, valued, etc. So that was last time's podcast. Setting the stage for today. And the second S, or one of the S's, I don't really have them in any specific order, but the S we're going to talk about today is to be safe. Be safe for each other and be safe for that person that you're with. But if you're facilitating a group, you would want to somehow the whole group to be safe. And if you're just in a conversation with a friend, um, then it would be, yeah, I just want uh, that to be safe. This I want this person to feel safe in my presence and to create safety for people. So what does this even mean? How do we do this? And uh, one of the ways that we do this, and we're going to talk about this in the next S, setting them up for success, because they're connected, right? They're all connected. Um, but when we, when we have just enough structure for people that they know what to expect, 
they're going to feel safer. So one aspect of this really is having a structure, having just enough structure so that people know what to expect and don't feel lost or afraid of what's coming. So we do try to have predictable uh, rhythms that we do together, predictable ways of responding to each other so that there is a safety. If my kids know every time they uh, slam their bedroom door, for example, that there's a consequence and they know exactly what that consequence is, um, then then it, there there's some safety there because A, they know that it's going to be dealt with. <laughs> they don't have to guess. They don't have to wonder if mom and dad are really going to discipline them or not. They actually know that's going to happen. And then they know what's going to happen as well. So uh, some type of structure is, is very helpful in place to bring safety. So that's one thing that we'll talk a little bit about later when we're setting you up for success next week when we talk about that. But Aside from the structure, you know, or what, what type of structure does Luke 10 use then to bring in safety? One of them is the rounds, and that's what we'll talk about next week, setting people up for success in the, in the way we use rounds and the, the, the rhythms of practice that we use. But the other way that we in Luke 10 bring safety is specifically around um, heavy feelings or um, maybe some of the the, the more uh, difficult feelings. Uh, we, uh, sometimes I call them heavy because they feel heavy. They make me feel heavy, <laughs> like tired, like sad. Sadness feels like lead in my blood usually. I just get so exhausted. Um, maybe anger. Anger could maybe give you energy, but but at the same time, it's a burden almost because it, it disrupts um, the way we're normally thinking because we're so uh, fixated on something usually when we're angry. Hopeless despair. Boy, despair is really heavy to me. So when we're feeling these shame, shame feels heavy as well. These heavier emotions in Luke 10, we, we check in around these emotions and safety is where these feelings are honored and they're responded to predictably. So if I'm in a, in a small group, for example, and we're checking in and feeling is sharing our feelings and, and maybe what I'm going through is very difficult right now. Um, I might be scared to, to share with them because I really don't want necessarily to be preached at. I don't want to be treated like that it I was talking about earlier, right? I, I don't want to be fixed. I don't want to be told what I'm supposed to be feeling. So I don't want to be invalidated. Um, those are harmful ways of responding to people when they are vulnerable with us. When someone takes a risk, a huge risk, to share that they are feeling sad, mad, um, scared, ashamed, that's huge. And, and that is the most, mo most vulnerable moment for them where they really could be hurt deeply. And so we want to slow things down and we want to honor that space, first of all. So um, the first thing we do to keep it safe is when someone shares a heavy emotion with us, we don't immediately start uh, preaching, teaching, giving unwanted advice, trying to fix them in any way, shape, form, or fashion. So we hold silence for a good 20 seconds, hopefully. And everyone knows that's probably what's going to happen because we're listening to Jesus for one. We're just tapping into to Christ in that moment because maybe what they've said has triggered some deep sadness in me. And if I can connect quickly to God, I can soothe that in me so that I can be present for them, right? So again, 
goes back to some of that quieting. But we pause and then we have this brilliant tool that I just love. And it has proven over and over and over again um, to help create intimacy in a group, keep safety there, and then allow for the presence of God to show up, the multifaceted wisdom of God to show up. So what this tool is, is it's a question. It's one question that we in Luke 10 offer whenever someone shares something that feels heavy. And the question that we offer is this, what do you most need from us today? Or it could be maybe, what what would you most like from us right now? Because some pe- sometimes need triggers people. They don't want to feel needy. So, but what, what, what would you most like from us right now? Or you could even say, what would be most helpful for you from us today? So any version of that question, right? That question is the same question said different ways. So it's not so much about how you word it, but the question is, you know, what's important is that you're giving them an opportunity to ask themselves, what do I need right now? What do I want right now? What would be most helpful for me right now? And the reason that we do that, there's so many, but the first reason is because it gives them their agency back. What that means is they get to be in control of what next happens to them or what happens to them next, right? They are not going to be a victim of us pouncing on them to soothe ourselves. A lot of times when we start preaching or teaching or giving advice to people when they share vulnerability, it's actually because we are unregulated. We are dysregulated. We feel uncomfortable with their emotion. We don't like what we're hearing. We don't like that they feel that way because if they just trusted God, they wouldn't feel that way, for example. So we have a need to make their feeling go away because we don't have the capacity to feel that emotion and stay relational. So really, a lot of times in the church and Christian settings, when we preach and teach and give advice that's not been asked for, a lot of times it is to soothe our own self. It is to try to help ourselves feel better. Maybe I just feel like I should be able to help them. And so that's the way I do it. But again, it's about me, (laughs) me shoulding, (laughs) not about what this person in front of me needs most right now. And so we want to change the culture. We want to stop people from unintentionally harming each other in community when deep, serious, or sad, or heavy issues are shared. We want people to respect that space, be glad to be with that person no matter what, which is joy, and then let that person decide what they need the most. So usually a person has no clue what they need. (laughs) That might be what you're thinking now, but wait, no one really knows what they need. So we offer multiple choices. We offer several multiple choices. In fact, we offer five choices, five options for this person. And we pretty much share them as soon as we drop the question, because that way they know that we're giving them some choices so that their mind can think which one of these best suits them for the time. And the really amazing thing is that these five choices that we're offering actually correlate to the five levels of the brain and where the brain might get stuck. Um, And if that's all new to you, (laughs) I will share a little bit about that. Um, 
and you know, if you train with Luke 10, this article's in our training for sure. And, and all of the sightings and everything. Um, so what are the five choices? The first choice that we give is we could just be with you and continue the usual rhythms, continue our meeting as normal. Is it enough to just be with you today? That could be it. That might be enough for them. And if they choose that, then what we usually do is we explore their feelings a little more and spend a moment attuning deeper with them and just holding silence. We don't preach. We don't give advice. We just ask them a few more questions about how they're feeling, and then we thank them for sharing. That's it. We're glad to be with them. Yeah. That's number one. <clears throat> and that actually correlates to the part of our brain um, that's the attachment center of the brain. So it's the part that, that needs a place to belong. We need to know that we're a part of a people that are glad to be with us no matter what. And that, um, that hopefully, if, if that person is stuck at that level, then just being with them is, is really the most important thing they need. They need to know that it's okay for them to feel this way and that we love them even though they're feeling this. And we cannot underestimate how important this is. So many of us never got this as children. We were never allowed to feel anger or sadness. We were never allowed to feel hopeless because Jesus is the answer. Jesus can make everything happen, right? With Christ, all things are possible. <laughs> so some of us weren't even allowed to feel uh, hopeless because then we thought we weren't trusting God if, if that was even a feeling. Um, and so this is so important for us with the body of Christ to know that it, it don't ever underestimate the power of joy, just being glad to be with each other. The second offer, so the questions, one question, these are multiple choices. Question is, what do you want most from us today? Multiple choice. Do you want to just us to just be with you, to just be with you in this emotion? And if so, we ask more questions and we just say thank you for sharing. Second option then is, would you, um, would you like us to pray together for you right now? We could literally just, just pray for you. And that is the option that, of course, most Christians offer um, if they're going to offer any help at all. A lot of times it's, can I pray for you? <laughs> right? Um, and that's fine. But um, there's so many other options that a person might need. But this is one of them. It really is. It's a valid option. It's a beautiful option. It's a wonderful option. Um, a lot of people in the world have never had anyone pray for them before or pray with them um, before. And so in, using words, right, in the traditional sense of how we've probably been trained to pray by talking to God. Um, so this is very powerful. Um, and if, it do, if, if they ask for this, then you can follow Jesus into how to pray for them, right, um, as a facilitator, because there's so many different ways to actually pray in a group together for someone. And you can ask them, would it be okay if we put you in the middle of the circle and laid hands on you, for example? Would it be okay if we just, you know, if we're on a, a Zoom call, if we put our hand towards the camera for you, you know? So you can, you can listen to Jesus, obviously, on how you do that for that person um, and make sure that however you do it is okay with them. Third option, oh, and that option, option number two, is actually um, 
helps you get out of your amygdala when you're when people are praying for you if if it's not traumatic right if people praying over you has never been a traumatic experience sometimes um it, it you you can give and receive life that way like the person just receives this life of god through this praying and it really can help them get out of fight flight or freeze mode if that is something that they have been struggling with the third one is uh, we could listen to God together on your behalf today. This really, I reserve this for more mature groups um, where we've practiced this a, a little bit together and, and we're not listening for the other person to soothe ourselves again, right? But, but we're listening together because this person has asked us to listen to Jesus on their behalf. This is probably one of the most powerful, powerful options that I've seen uh, invoked. And it is so incredibly powerful because God really shows up in the entire ecosystem that's present, speaking into this person's life around this situation, and he speaks to them too. So it's not like we're doing something to that person. It's like the person gets to listen as well, and we all listen as well. And it, it, we are all entering in the presence of Jesus so that he can bring light to that situation, bring truth to that situation, bring encouragement, and he even attunes with that person and and communicates with them directly his uh, his joy of being with them no matter what. So lots of beautiful things happen when we actually listen to God together as opposed to just praying for a person, right? Even though that is very helpful too. So this is another op uh, option and another opportunity. And in this one, the level of the brain um, that that gets stuck sometimes that will get unstuck when we listen is um, the recover from trauma and this attunement piece. Um, a lot of times, you know, these emotions that we have are lodged in traumatic um, occurrences in our past, either from when we bad things happened to us or um, when we just didn't get the things we needed. And when we go together and listen to Jesus on this emotion, sometimes he heals trauma. <laughs> sometimes um, he just attunes with a person and lets them know he's so glad to be with them and that they're going to be okay. Um, so it is absolutely amazing how God gets that part of the brain unstuck uh, when we when we go and listen to him. After that one, so we usually don't explain all of these every time because our community is aware of, of how we, again, the structure is there. So our community knows this is what we're going to do if a heavy emotion is brought up. So everyone already knows uh, this article and, and these this question with these multiple choice answers. We train them at the beginning. We bring this up before heavy emotions are shared so that we all have an agreed upon way that we're going to handle these things safely. Um, so when, when we share it, we just say, you know, do you want us to just be with you? Would you like us to pray for you together? Or we could listen to Jesus together around this. Or the fourth option, we could share stories and advice. And fifthly, we could offer some coaching. So I'll go to, to four. Share stories and advice from where we, when we were in similar situations and how we responded. 
this is beautiful. And a lot of times, like we said, that's our inclination anyway, is to give people advice or share our own stories. So there is a beautiful place for this. Um, but it's when the person is asking for it, when they need it. Because if that's not what they need right now, if they really need to listen to Jesus and we're giving them advice and giving them stories, it's not going to help them at all. It really won't because their brain doesn't need that. Their brain needs attunement from Christ himself. So this is a way for the person, without getting technical about brain science, a person can kind of feel themselves out and feel what they need, what they're drawn to most. And then we can actually offer exactly what they need, as opposed to just guessing by throwing scripture at them or stories or advice or prayer, right? We don't want to throw solutions at people to make them feel better. We want to actually give them the exact thing that they need in order to feel peace in the midst of their storm. So the part of the brain where these storytelling and this advice fits in is the part of the brain that that is actually our maturity part of our brain where we learn to act what it's like to act like my people in this situation, right? So my children might be acting out or might be struggling with a specific issue and I am just clueless. I'm clueless to how to parent in this situation. And a lot of times that is maturity. It's, I don't know how to act myself in this situation. I don't know how to parent this way. I, I don't know how to act like me and, and act like Christ and be the people of God in this situation. So I need help. So yes, I'm going to want tons of stories. I'm going to want people to tell me every single time they've encountered this issue with their own children and what they did, right? So that's where the stories come in and they're really helpful to help us learn to act like um, who God's made us to be and, and that maturity aspect. And lastly, do you want coaching? Oh, well, let me jump back to the stories too. Um, when I'm in a small group and someone says, I want stories, right? Um, I have found it so incredibly helpful to give people a few minutes to listen to God inde independently around what story to share or what advice to give, right? Because we want to be Jesus-led in everything. I don't want anyone just off the cuff telling me what they think. I really want them to listen to God and and get the story God wants them to share with me or the verse God wants them to share with me or uh, the words. And maybe they can't discern whether it's them or God, and that's fine. The point is that they're slowing down and taking a minute to think about it before they share. And a lot of times we need that minute because I might not have a story present in my mind of when I was there. But if I take a minute, um, lo and behold, a story comes right to me and it's the exact story that, that they needed for that day. So even in the, if someone asks for stories, we take a minute to listen to God um, around what story would you like me to share, right? And then we go into the round of stories and advice giving. Great. Lastly, if they wanted coaching, and not every facilitator feels comfortable um, offering coaching, um, and they can, you know, hopefully find someone or refer people to someone who does coaching or counseling or things like that. But that coaching aspect really is, um, it hits at the level of um, knowing our heart and really being able to articulate what's happening. It's a, it's a bigger perspective. It's a bigger picture. I have a lot of people, a lot of couples that come to Luke 10 and um, they ask for coaching. And when we meet, they just start pouring out their heart and, and telling me their whole story. 
And I can tell that really they're lost in this story. They don't realize um, maybe that they're grieving. And so they need someone to name that for them, um, educe it and name it. They don't realize that maybe the problem that they're experiencing is because they've been abused. They might not even know that. And so in a coaching session, we um, we draw out what their experience is and then help them name it. We help them articulate what is happening to them, putting it into perspective with them, giving them the story. <laughs> what, what's going on here? What is this story that's happening to me? And so often, honestly, it's just naming grief naming that they have suffered tremendous loss and that they're grieving right now because a lot of people don't know what grief feels like. They don't realize that they're grieving or they, they've never had permission to actually grieve. And so in coaching sessions, a lot of times that's what ends up happening. And in, in my sessions, at least with Luke Tenors, is that um, they're given permission to grieve and they're, they're giving a, get, given a bigger story of how to understand what's happening to them. And that's the kind of what happens in coaching. So we offer that because that's the that's the fifth level of the brain. And we need to know what's happening to me. What is the story? My my precious three-year-old, and when she was a baby, um, we were doing Thrive Training where we learn about how to uh, intervene where the brain is stuck in all of these different areas. And storytelling, obviously, is a real big part of it. And so we would tell stories all the time about what we were doing, right? Mommy has to go, um, you know, go to the grocery store and you're going to go with me to the grocery store, but Bubby's not going to go because he's sick. And then we would get out the door and we're in the car and all of a sudden I hear, I hear story, story, because she would already forget where we were going <laughs> and she was getting anxious because she didn't know what was happening. And so I would say, oh, mommy has to go to the grocery store to pick up groceries and Bubby is sick. He stayed home right? 10 minutes later, stoy, mommy, stoy. <laughs> and we lived her life from one story to the next, telling the story of just what's happening right now over and over and over again, because it brought her deep comfort. It brought her incredible comfort knowing where she was, what was happening, what was about to happen. And that's a really funny, um, you know, way to talk about it as a three-year-old, but really as adults, we're, we're very similar um, in the same way. A lot of times we're, we get lost in our story. We don't remember the big story and we don't really even remember the story we're in right now. <laughs> and it's always helpful to have a coach come along and, and help us uh, with story, story. What's the story? I forgot. Okay. So that is how we practice safety together in community with Luke 10. Um, we handle heavy emotions and vulnerability with honor, uh, with respect, and we try to respond reliably to those moments through offering the one question. How would you best like us to show up for you today? What's most important for you today? Um, thanks for listening today. I hope this is helpful as you're learning, uh, to, growing, and living joy-filled and Jesus-led. Um, and next time we'll be talking about the next act as setting uh, people up for success. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of Joy Fueled and Jesus Led. What would community be like if you felt safe to share your deepest struggles, knowing that exactly what you needed would be offered and nothing more and nothing less? 
Do you often automatically give people what you think they need? Or do you ask them first what would be most helpful for them and then respond accordingly? Do you know how to listen with them to God on behalf of what they're going through? Or do you only know how to offer verbal prayer? If you're hungry to learn how to cultivate safe community with this kind of love, don't hesitate to start your training with Luke 10 today. Until next time.